In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today we come to a, the third of a sequence in the Gospel according to St. Luke. And we've actually spent some time already with this unfolding in the Gospel, this revelation of the power of God through Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, or the God-man in the flesh. With this series of miracles that we have just heard, we have sort of a cycle that has completed, a cycle of presentations of the power of God that's given to us. So it's important to keep that in mind as we look at it. The sequence that I'm talking about is that this event, it comes at a time when Christ has first calmed the storm on the sea, in front of his disciples. Then he's gone and cast out, just as we heard last week, the legion from the demoniac in Gadara. And then he crosses the sea again. And in the midst of his travels, it is Jairus who comes and speaks with him. That's where we pick up. And here we see an, a completion of the things that Christ has authority over. We saw in the calming of the storm, his power over nature. In the casting out of the legion, his power over demons. And now we see his authority and power over sickness and death itself. So that is what St. Luke is presenting to us of who Christ is. There's another element here that is very, very significant of who our Lord is healing. It's significant that it is two women, or more properly said, a woman who is suffering from a sickness in her womanhood, and a young girl whose life is cut short just before she has entered into her womanhood. There is a particular love for, shall we call them, the daughters of Eve that Christ is displaying to us as he overcomes the fallen human weaknesses of our illness and of death that reigns and is trying to take us from him. It is through the image of these two women that our Lord today brings us a lesson of faith. Ephraim the Syrian, so that you know that I'm not pulling this out of a hat from somewhere, sees exactly this in these two miracles, the restoration of womanhood to these two, a healing that they may step now into the fullness of their human nature, the human nature that God has created for them as they step fully in to the womanhood that he has healed. For the girl that she may now enter it fully, and for the woman with the issue of blood, we know her name in the church, it's St. Veronica. For St. Veronica, that she may join the community of life, uh, in life again, healed of her uncleanness. So we see the great love that Christ had of restoring those who are taken from him because of illness and death. Further, we can see in these two what St. Ambrose calls an image of the synagogue and an image of the Gentiles. For the little girl, Jairus' daughter, is the daughter of a ruler of a synagogue. That's who Jairus is. He's the ruler of a synagogue. And we see that Christ is coming to both the ruler of the synagogue and his daughter and who need to be redeemed from the law and from the death 
that the law is revealing within them by his word and his life. And in the woman, St. Veronica, who he heals in the presence of a multitude, that St. Ambrose says that she represents the Gentiles who are perishing for having fallen into the basest of sins, seized by their faith the salvation prepared for others. By touching the fringe of the Lord's clothing, she connects herself to the one that saves them from their separation and from the people, and saves her from her separation from the people of Israel. We can see a truth here that we all need Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, whether man or woman. It is Christ who heals and by his authority that we are united to him. We can see a contrast also in their approaches. Each seeks an action that is matching their level of faith. But it is only in Jesus who gives life and gives it abundantly that their faith is met, that their faith is answered. So we can say that we are all one in Christ, whether Jew or Greek, as St. Paul says. We all need Christ and to know him. These miracles are pointing not just to the totality of Christ's power over nature, over demons, over sickness and death, but also of us all coming together in Jesus Christ. This is a fundamental sort of veiled point, if you will, of the gospel, that Christ has come to both and that Christ is there for both. Our Lord is showing in this account, however, also something new that there is a complete faith that we need to look toward. Elements of faith that find their completion in a certain order when all of these things are present, no matter where we begin, whether we begin with the faith of Jairus or begin in some other way. And these two points are what I want to highlight today in focusing on what St. Veronica did in touching the hem of the garment of our Lord. There are two ways that our fathers hold up that we get to commune with Jesus Christ, that we get to partake and participate in salvation with him. These two primary ways, our acts of faith, are by what we hear and obey when we hear his word, and by the fact that we can actually touch our Lord, that we can actually receive power from him in that touch, by word and by touch. The obedience of the word of his commands we see in Jairus. He comes, he prostrates himself before the Lord and makes his need known. And our Lord says, yes, by that word, I will follow and I will go into the presence of your house. And they begin that journey. They walk together. They begin Jairus and his household, even though some in his household are not going to believe right away. By that word and by that act of obedience, they are walking with the Lord and participating in some measure of his life. And then by touch, the clothing of Christ that St. Veronica touched, we also can touch our Lord through the things that the church is giving us, through our icons. We can kiss his feet and his hands, through the giving of all of the little sacramentals of holy water, of the prayers, of being in the presence of the congregation. We touch the body of Christ. But ultimately, 
and the most profound way that we touch our Lord is in the elements of the Eucharist. We could call the bread and the wine that presents itself to our earthly senses as merely the clothing of the Lord. And by touching the hem of that garment, we receive the divine life into our very being. And we are filled with the power that flows from his divinity. That's the faith that St. Veronica has and why our Lord calls such special attention. She doesn't just touch the hem of his garment and receive healing and go on with her day. Our Lord could have did, did that and just let it be. But he calls special attention because the faith that St. Veronica had was a perfect faith. And it's that that our Lord is drawing our attention to. She's presented as an example, an ideal of faith. But it's a simple, faithful action that she has. In the contrast of the actions of St. Veronica to Jairus in seeking help for his daughter, we see the imperfection of faith finding its completion in St. Veronica's perfect faith. St. John Chrysostom compares Jairus' faith to Veronica's and finds hers the most superior. She says that she sought him in silent humility for healing. First, she reached out with her soul, noetically, meaning with her eyes of her faith. She came close to him before she was ever physically close to him. Her faith touched him before she touched him physically. And the faith that she displayed was great yet simple. She touched Christ and that from that act of faith and that accompanying action, she pulled power from God from, for him to stop the flow of blood that separated her from his people. St. Theophilac says that this was an immediate restoration. He says this, Like a man who brings his eye close to a bright light or brings a dry stick close to a fire, and they immediately react. So also the woman brought her faith close to him who has power to heal. And immediately she obtained healing. Understand that first she touched Jesus noetically with her soul, in other words. And only then did she touch him bodily. Veronica is held up to us as the example. And her life continues on as one of the people of Israel in its, even its completion in the church. For Veronica becomes one of the first members of the newborn church after Pentecost. All of her days, she sought to follow the word of God and followed Christ and honored him. It's said of her life in holy tradition that she made an image of Jesus that she put at the entryway of her house and she planted a plant next to this image. Some say it was a statue, but perhaps maybe it was an icon. And that plant that grew next to this image was used by many to heal. So that salvation of healing that she had in a small measure continued on through her honor of Christ. The command that closes the gospel, though, is the one that I want to close with on this homily as well. For our Lord, after healing, after calling attention to St. Veronica, he moves on. He goes into the house even after it is said that Jairus' daughter has died. No longer is it just a healing that he's asking for, but our Lord, having bolstered the faith of all those present by pointing out St. Veronica, he continues on. 
And Jairus continues to follow him. And he shows up, and the daughter indeed is dead, and those who are wailing over death, they're present, and they don't have the faith that our Lord can do something about it. But our Lord gathers a small number of his disciples. And then, by a simple word, without any touch, of the life is bestowed to this dead one, the daughter of the synagogue's ruler, by the word of Jesus Christ. And she obeys that command. That word is, arise. And here in this word, we get a glimpse of the power of our Lord over death and the resurrection. Here we see a glimpse of what is to come, that all those who have died are really only sleeping, when all those who have slept in their grave will obey that same command, arise. And all the dead will partake of the immortal life of Christ by that word. And it's a real resurrection, not just a phantom. And this is why the Gospels, and the Gospels have a unique way of talking about this. We even heard it in Matins, that when we eat, she is given food as proof of the life that she truly has in her body. It needs sustenance once again. And our Lord even proves his own resurrection this way on the beach after his resurrection before his apostles. So our brothers and sisters, we are presented with this great image today to commune with Christ with faith and in faith, to hear of Christ, to seek him out, to hear his command, to strive to follow him, to touch the clothing of his divinity, to receive the power of his life. These are the elements of faith that are veiled within this account. And the perfection of faith that St. Veronica had was having all of these that brought her to touch the hem of Christ's garment. It's the movement of the word and of the touch of Christ that one's faith grows and finds its perfection. So dear ones, today, some of you may be like Jairus. See if Christ can do this and we follow. And Veronica, we may have, like Veronica, and have a great need where we are reaching out to Christ in our soul and we go and journey toward him. Some may be in great need just like them. Draw near to Christ. In your, the noetic powers of your soul, reach out in faith that, it is pray, that is to pray for your salvation. Christ comes to show us what is a complete faith. But he is also saying that he is here for those who have an imperfect faith. Those of us who may have a faith like Jairus. We all hear the word of God resounding in our ears, so let us walk toward him. Seek him out. Hear what he has to say. Let us obey the command that gives us life. May we touch his clothing in the icons and in the great sacrament and the holy things that are presented to us. May we receive him in faith by that touch. And in this perfection of faith, power will go out from the God-man and into each of us suffering who have ill souls and are plagued by the threat of death. Then we will have life and we will have it abundantly in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.